Thank you for listening to this sermon from Hope Church, Toronto West. It is our prayer that through these audio sermons, you are challenged and transformed by the Word of God, built up in love and faith, and drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now as you prepare your heart to receive God's Word, we pray that His Spirit would use the sermon powerfully in your life. Well, I want you to take your Bibles, please, and turn to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, and the title of today's message is this, uh, What About Deacons in the Church? If you don't have a Bible, you can slip up your hand, and one of the ushers that are coming up and down the aisles would love to put a copy of God's Word into your hand. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. If you don't own a Bible, that Bible will be our gift to you. Please take it home and read it and have your life changed by the Word of God. Before we jump into our text of Scripture today, I was thinking this week about our subject, and I was thinking about an old chorus that I grew up singing in church, an old song that really captured my heart many times and became the prayer of my heart, and I wonder if any of you would recognize the lyrics. The lyrics go like this, make me a servant humble and meek. Lord, let me lift up those who are weak. And may the prayer of my heart always be, make me a servant. Make me a servant. Make me a servant today. The Lord Jesus Christ said something absolutely profound and countercultural in every generation when he said in Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Servant, make me a servant. On the screen view concerning this verse, Juan Sanchez said this. He said, the world thinks greatness corresponds to power. But in God's eyes, greatness corresponds to what? Service, particularly serving the people of God. And as we read the Gospels, we see that Jesus Christ himself is the supreme example and manifestation of the greatness of becoming a servant. And all of Christ's church, all of us in this room, all of us called by his name are called to the same. And while Christ's church is called to exemplify the same greatness of becoming a servant, and all of Christ's leaders are called to model the greatness of becoming a servant. Listen, loved ones, God has been very gracious to give to his church a special gift a particular group of people, a distinct office within the church with specific qualifications called to demonstrate and called to lead others in the church to live out the greatness of becoming a servant. This biblical office, this particular group in the church are called deacons. The word deacon in the New Testament, it simply means servant. And it's used a few different ways. Before we jump into our text today, I want to show you. It's used, for example, to describe all believers' service to one another, like in 1 Peter 4, 
Verse 10, when Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another or use it to deacon one another. That's the translation. It's also used to describe the role of rulers and governmental authorities, like in Romans 13.4, when Paul writes of the rulers, the governmental authorities, he is God's servant, God's deacon for your good. And more specifically, and for our purposes today, that word is used to describe the distinct office of leadership in the church, namely in 1 Timothy 3, 8 to 13, when Paul lays out the qualifications for deacons immediately after he lays out the qualifications for elders. The office of deacon or the diaconate ministry of the church is an immensely significant ministry that needs to fit securely in our ecclesiology. It is an immensely significant office and detrimental to the impact of the life and health of every local church. And as we'll see, it's the deacons that help to propel the mission and the priorities of the church of Jesus Christ forward. That's why we must understand it today in our journey to sharpen our understanding of ecclesiology, the study of the church. And so we're going to all gather together today and we're going to all gather around the word of God and we're going to all learn some things that maybe we're going to be learning for the first time today. Just by way of reminder, we've asked the question already, uh, what is the church? We've asked the question, who belongs to the church? We've asked the question, who leads the church? And today we ask the question again, what about deacons in the church? Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. We're going to spend our time here in Acts chapter 6, 1 to 7, because it's here that we find a clear and powerful picture of the office of deacons in the earliest days of the church of Jesus Christ. And it's here we begin to understand the impact of the office of deacons on the life, mission, and ministry of the church in the world. Let's read it together. Acts chapter 6, starting from verse 1. This is what the Word of God says. It says, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number... Notice, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenius and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Watch this. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. 
All right, a few things I want to jump into, a few truths I want to show you concerning the office of deacon and the picture of that office we're given here in Acts chapter 6 and how this role of the diaconate ministry or the deacons impacts deeply the mission of the church of Jesus Christ in the world. What's the role of the deacons in the church? Here we go. Deacons, if you have a pen and paper in your hand, you can write this down. Deacons, number one, help protect the unity of the church. Deacons help protect the unity of the church. Notice verse 1 and 2 again. It says, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, the church was growing. Notice this, a complaint, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. I want us to understand the context. The church in Jerusalem was growing at a rapid and explosive pace. The Holy Spirit had been poured out as it was promised in Acts chapter 2. And boom, the ecclesia was born. It's exploding. The last record of their number was 5,000 in Acts 4 verse 4. It would have been more including women and children. Some say 8,000. Some commentators estimate upwards of 20,000 people. It's a big church. It's a mega church. The ecclesia, the church, again, born in Acts chapter 2, and the power of the Holy Spirit was working in them and among them and through them. But I want you to understand, it was not all smooth sailing. While God was working, and this is common, while God was working, Satan is opposing. This is common. When God is working in your life, Satan is opposing and attacking. And by the time we get here to Acts chapter 6, Satan has made several attempts to destroy and divide the church of Jesus Christ in its earliest days. In Acts chapter 4 and 5, the church was attacked and opposed through persecution. In Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, Satan tried to defile and cripple the church by introducing sin into the church through Ananias and Sapphira, and God had to deal very swiftly with them and very clearly. And here in Acts chapter 6, make no mistake about it, the church continues to multiply and increase in number, and Satan is trying to capitalize on a situation that could very easily and very quickly multiply into dissension and sow seeds of division in the life of the church. Notice it again in verse 1. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, God is working. Notice this. A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. What exactly is happening here in Acts chapter 6? What's happening in this beautiful, exploding church in Acts chapter 6? What's happening is this. There's a conflict brewing in the church between two groups of people, the Hellenists and the Hebrews. The Hellenists were Jews who had come to Jerusalem from other parts of the Roman Empire, while the Hebrews were natives of Palestine who saw themselves as more authentically Jewish than the Hellenist newcomers. So amongst these two groups, there were language differences. But not only language differences, there were also cultural differences. 
And not only language and cultural differences, there were ethnic differences. And so you could understand that this could be a very sensitive situation that could have very quickly erupted into a devastating fracture in the church of Jesus Christ in its earliest days. Two groups of people coming up against each other already. Now on the screen for you, Matt Smethurst wrote this. He wrote, of the many lessons for deacons from Acts 6, perhaps, notice this, the most overlooked is their strategic role in persevering, excuse me, preserving congregational unity. The seven weren't merely deployed to solve a food problem. Food was the occasion, sure, but it wasn't the deepest problem. The deepest problem was a sudden threat to church unity. Now, right away, loved ones, I want to stop here for a moment. And I want to bring our attention to a very, very applicable picture of much of what threatens the church of Jesus Christ today. In fact, I want to bring it right home to us. We have a picture here of what could possibly threaten us today and our unity today. We have a picture of just how fragile the church can become when members and leaders aren't attentive enough to what's transpiring first in their own hearts and in the church as a whole. And we have a picture of just how dangerous it could be, loved ones, when groups of people in the church find something in common to complain about. Now, it's not that their concern or their complaint here in Acts 6 was illegitimate. No, that's not true. It it was a legitimate concern. But we would be missing a tremendous application to our own lives and our own church if we moved too quickly past this point. The reason the apostles in the next few verses that we're going to get to proceeded to raise up deacons was to step into the tangible needs of the church in such a way that addressed and especially revealed some of the deeper attitudes that could have led to terrible division setting the church back. This is a big deal. The apostles recognized this moment as a big opportunity. And we need to see how we can be subject to this kind of threat in our church. There's too much favoritism in this church. There isn't enough care in this church. No one is asking me if I need help in this church. The pastors are too busy doing who knows what in this church. The leaders sure seem to be spending a lot of time with those people. What about us? That was the feeling in Acts chapter 6. You ever feel that way? You ever gather around a table at Tim Hortons or Starbucks and say these very things to someone else who tends to agree with you? You may have a legitimate concern, certainly. But are you paying attention to the threat? That's what's happening here in Acts 6. This is often the kind of attitude that comes upon churches everywhere. And all it takes, loved ones, is a small group of people who feel the same way to get together and begin complaining 
And before you know it, no needs get met, but a massive conflict erupts instead. Feelings are hurt, narratives are being formed and filled, and God's heart is grieved. This was the foundational danger here in Acts 6. And what the apostles don't do is throw up their hands What the apostles don't do is tell the Hellenists to be quiet and stop complaining. We'll get to you. Go over there. They don't do that. What the apostles don't do is make excuses for why they can't meet every need. No. With quickness and with urgency, they identify their priorities and they raise up a group of qualified deacons to stand in the gap and to promote and protect and strengthen the unity of the church. I want you to notice it in verses two to seven. It says, and the 12, the apostles, summoning the full number of the disciples, they said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we, we, we have to do something. We have to stay committed to something. We will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Verse 5 says, and what they said, pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Notice his high character there. Notice a man of good repute, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Loved ones, we have a picture here in Acts chapter 6 of the massive significance of the role of deacons in the life of the church, namely to help protect the unity of the church because, loved ones, there's no shortage of tangible needs that constantly arise in church life. Maybe you're not aware of that, but within church life, wherever the church is, there's never any shortage of tangible needs that arise that need to be met. And if they're left unattended to, they could lead to deep issues being revealed, issues of misunderstanding uh, developing, issues of conflict that begin to brew among members. And God has given the church a special gift. God has given the church deacons, servants, who are called to step into these needs and to protect the unity of the church before the ever-increasing tangible needs of the church become occasions for disunity. What is the role of deacons? Well, first thing I want you to see right here from Acts chapter 6 is this. Deacons are put in place to help protect the unity of the church. Secondly, secondly, what's the role of deacons in the church? Secondly, you can write this down. Deacons care for the physical needs of the church. They care for the physical needs of the church. I want you to notice the distinct role of the deacons as pictured here in Acts 6. And I want you to notice then the key distinction between elders and deacons. Now this is important because many people don't make a distinction here and many uh, church governance structures don't make a distinction here. 
But we see a distinction in Scripture. I want you to look at it in verses 1 to 4 again. It says, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. Notice the practical need. Because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Watch this now in verse 2. And the twelve, the apostles, summoned the full number of the disciples and said, here it is now, notice the distinction. It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Here it is again in verse 4. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. If you're looking for a job description of elders and pastors in the midst of all that the scripture has to say, you can find it in Acts 6.4. The word and prayer. The word and prayer. Proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology and coming to the feet of Jesus in prayer and bringing the people to the feet of Jesus in prayer. The elders, the pastors, the overseers, as we talked about last week, are responsible to serve the spiritual needs of the church through the word of God and prayer. The deacons then, as we see here in Acts 6, are responsible for serving the physical needs of the church through deeds of mercy and compassion and organizing the church to serve. Both roles, loved ones, are significant. And we must work together as we seek to advance the mission of the church and as we seek to minister to the whole person. We want to minister to the whole individual. Notice verse 2 now. Look at it in your Bibles. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Why? Why? Well, it's not that the apostles felt above the task of ministering to physical needs or serving tables. It's just that the priority of proclaiming the word of God could not be compromised. And, and this happens in churches all the time. And if I'm honest with you, the temptation is at my doorstep. The temptation is at the doorstep of the elders almost on a daily basis do we give up studying the word, preaching the word, teaching the word, ministering in the word because there is this pressing need in front of us, this huge need in front of us that needs our attention, this physical need. I can think of times in the early days of our church when a physical need arose among us or someone had a chronic physical need or someone walked into our office looking for help. This happens periodically, and I'm thankful that people see the sign Hope Church, and they feel like they can come, and we get people coming through often. Or someone has some kind of need, or, or I remember the time we were ministering to someone who ended up in prison, and, and, and they would call and, and require a lot of attention and time, and we wanted to give it to him. We wanted to minister to him. We wanted to help him. He had a lot of needs. A lot of tangible needs. He would call our office collect almost on a daily basis. 
Or some weeks I remember in the early days when the physical needs that arose required so much time and energy. I remember even before we had the wonderful staff team that we have now, before we had the elders that we have now, before we had the beautiful deacons that we had now. I remember the early days when the physical needs required so much energy that I wondered if I would be prepared to care for the spiritual needs of the whole church through a prayerfully prepared and prayerfully prepared sermon from God's word. Because when a need comes to you, the question is, in those moments, do we just let it be? Do we neglect it? What do we do? The apostles were faced with this question. And they were resolved and resolute that they will not give up preaching the word of God. But they would raise up deacons to carry out the task. We're so thankful, loved ones. We're so thankful for the wonderful deacons of Hope Church. We're so thankful. We're so thankful for the deacons who serve so sacrificially and faithfully to identify and care for and organize the physical needs among us. It is a high and holy calling. This is deeply crucial work as we seek to make disciples in our church and in our city, and it's work that requires particular qualifications. I want you to notice verse 3. Look at verse 3. It says, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men, notice this, of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. I, I just want you to notice a couple of things here. Deacons are not to be just any well-intentioned people who want to serve. They should be men and women of character and integrity and proven godliness. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, 8 to 13, immediately after Paul lists the qualifications for elders, Paul lists a, a list of qualifications for deacons. And I want you to understand that the same standard of high character is applied. The only difference is that elders are called to be apt to teach the word, given their distinct role of spiritual leadership. And so what is the role of deacons? Well, they protect the unity of the church and they care for the physical needs in the church. And so as we desire to be a church that dispenses the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ to one another and to the world in word and in deed, our prayer is that the Lord will continue to raise up godly men and women to step into this high and holy calling to serve the physical needs of the church, to love and care for our church in many tangible ways. I want you to understand, if you're new here, we are not a church that thinks, preach the word, preach the word, preach the word, that's it. We understand that there must be a lived out theology. And so the elders make it their priority to proclaim the authority of God's word, and we must live out our theology indeed. That is what the picture of elder and deacon present to us, a ministry of word and deed. And that's the kind of church we must be. So what's the role of deacons in the church? Protect the unity of the church. Care for the physical needs of the church. Finally, this, support the elders of the church support or assist the elders of the church. I want you to notice verses three to four, and then I'm going to jump to verse seven. 
Verse 3 says, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Verse 4, But we, the apostles said, will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Notice verse 7 now. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. I just want to show you a profound connection that takes place in this passage. Before I do that, I'm going to ask you this question. I want you to think about it with your eyes on your Bible. Would verse 7 have happened if verses 3 to 4 didn't happen? Look at your Bibles. Let's be good students. Would verse 7 have happened if verses 3 to 4 did not happen? Let me help you. Would the word of God have increased in verse 7 if the apostles had given up this priority of the word and prayer to serve tables and to attend to the physical needs that arose? And I would commend to you, I would suggest to you that apart from any other sovereign intervention of God, verse 7 could not have happened. The, the increase of God's word, the spread of God's word, so that people in high places are coming to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Why would it not have happened? Because the apostles would have had to give up proclaiming the word and prayer and they would have had to go and serve tables. And if they gave up the word and prayer to go and serve tables, yes, the Hellenist widows would have had their needs met, but the word of God wouldn't have been proclaimed. And if the word of God was not proclaimed, verse 7 cannot be in the Bible. But verse 7 is in the Bible because verses 3 and 4 happened. They identified the need and they raised up a diaconate ministry, an office full of qualified people who they can entrust this task to so that they can get down to their work of proclaiming the authority of God's word and devoting themselves to prayer. That's how these two offices work together, and this is how deacons support the elders. This is how deacons assist the elders. The deacons free up the elders to be about one thing, the word of God and prayer. That's what they free them up to do. My friend Daniel Henderson often speaks of a mathematical equation that is also a theological equation in Acts 6. Maybe this will help you remember. Here it is, Acts 6 verse 3 plus Acts 6 verse 4 equals Acts 6 verse 7. Verse 3 plus verse 4 equals verse 7. That's good math, but it's also good theology. It's good math, but it is also right ecclesiology. Raising up qualified deacons in verse 3 plus pastors focusing on the prayer and the word in verse 4 equals the increase and the spread of the word of God through the church amongst the highest places of influence in society. And this is my prayer and I pray it with faith. And I'm calling you loved ones to pray and to believe with faith 
That we can have our expression of verse 7 in our day. That we can see a multiplication of the word of God in our city. That we can see the advance of the kingdom of God in our city. That we can see the spread of the rule and reign of Christ over the lives of people and in society, in our city, in Mimico, in South Etobicoke, in the greater Toronto area, beyond the greater Toronto area, around the world, as we hold up our theology, as we hold up our ecclesiology, pastors and deacons for the advance of the gospel and the word of God in our city and beyond. So why should you care about elders and deacons. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I'm not an elder, I'm not a deacon, I'm glad they do that, but what is, is there anything for me in this message? Oh, loved ones, there's something for you. That figuratively speaking, we all in this place are one body, we join hands. It's not only a metaphor, but it reflects a theological reality. We are all one body. And what should be the desire of our body together? That we grow up into the head, Jesus Christ, the leader, the chief shepherd, the head of the church, and that we function in a way that is thoroughly biblical so that his mission moves forward. It should not be just the desire of the elders and the deacons and a few leaders over here. But I'm praying for you, loved ones. I'm praying for all of you. I'm praying for us that we bear this burden in our hearts, that we carry this burden, that there could be a verse 7 taking place in our day that the word of God would multiply, the lost people would get saved, that hope would emanate from this place to a lost and dark and dying world. Why are we studying ecclesiology? Not so that we could be just all stuffy to ourselves and have our theology all figured out and be all puff, puffed up in our heads. No! We need to understand this so that we can live it, so that we can see the purposes of God advanced through our church. And I'm looking around this room and I see empty seats and I'm praying, Lord, would you add in these chairs those who are being saved from those buildings that we're ministering to through Meals for the City and Outreach to the City Outreach. Would you bring the gospel to bear through the office of elder and deacon and mobilizing the entire church to go into the world that we would take over those buildings for the gospel? That's my prayer that we flip the city upside down, that people increasingly come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ, that we stop being so faithless, stop looking at the news headlines, stop being so discouraged and put our eyes on the Bible and say, God, you're bigger than what's happening in this world. This is why we're studying ecclesiology. You're bigger than it all. We want to understand you. We want to understand your heart. We want to understand your mind. We want to understand how you move and how you think and how we can position ourselves to be used by you. May it be so that all of us, all of us understand the magnitude of what we're talking about in this series. And may the Lord raise up among us godly men and women to fill this office of deacon so that we can have a verse 7 expression of our own in this city. I believe we will. Do you? Do you? I believe with faith.
put our faith together right now in prayer. And let's ask the Lord to do the things that only he can do. Come on, stand to your feet right now. And as the worship team comes, I want you to pray with me, loved ones. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that you give us all that we need. You teach us how we should order ourselves in the church. Thank you, Lord, that you're not just interested in offices of leadership with titles and status. You're interested in the advance of your kingdom, the edification of your church, and the exaltation of your name. And I pray with my friends right now that we would love your truth so much, that we would love what your word says to us about deacons today, that we would pray together and say, Lord, raise them up, raise them up more and more and more to organize our church, to mobilize our church, to see many following Jesus in these days. It's true, Lord, you are the hope of our city. You are the hope of the nations. And I pray that we would be found faithful in this place. I pray that we would be found faithful as proclaimers of your word and proclaiming the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness. That we would be found faithful to minister to physical and tangible needs and ministering to the whole person. Lord, I pray for the people of our church today. There are people here that have very visible, tangible needs. There's a lot of brokenness, a lot of physical needs here. Pray that you would equip us as a church to meet those needs as an expression of the gospel applied to every life. I pray, Lord, you would enable the elders and pastors here to be faithful teachers of your word when it's in season, when it's out of season. Give us courage to proclaim your truth when it's popular and when it's not. And I pray for our deacons today as they work so tirelessly behind the scenes. Cause them to endure. Surround them with the support they need. and Fill them with faith for what you will do in these days. You are the hope of the nations. We are the light of the world. Let it be so, Lord, in this city increasingly. In Jesus' name we pray. If you agree, say amen. For more resources and information about Hope Church Toronto West, please visit hopechurchtw.ca.